Win stacks of cash by entering the 150K Crack the Code giveaway. Brought to you by your local paper, now through July 14th. Look for the code on page A2. Then visit 150kgiveaway.com and submit your entry. You could win the grand prize of $100,000. Grab the paper every day. Get the code on page 2A and improve your chances to win tons of weekly cash prizes. Visit 150kgiveaway.com for details. The Statue of Liberty is just 11 years old when Giuseppe Butera steams into New York Harbor in the spring of 1898. Like millions of immigrants, Butera crosses the Atlantic for a chance to make a little money and maybe a new life in the United States. The country in which the 23-year-old arrives is hungry for workers to build its railroads and skyscrapers, and to labor in its factories and mills. But America can be hostile to newcomers, especially those from the fields of southern Italy. Nonetheless, Butera makes it to the New World with $10 in his pocket, and a secret from his life in the old country. Welcome to Tales from the Rep Morgue, the podcast that explores the Canton Repository's 200-year-old archive. I'm your host, Shane Hoover. In our first episode about the nine lives of Joe Butera, we started to tell the story of an Alliance man who is hunted for a decade by Black Hand assassins, or someone else who wants him dead. The Black Hand isn't a monolithic organization. It's more like a criminal brand, but if a gang has you in its sights, it can be deadly just the same. But who was Joe Butera? Why might he have come to America? And why would anyone want to kill him? That's what we'll talk about in this episode. Part 1, Coming to America. Joe Butera's life in the United States closely follows the arc of black hand crime, which peaked during the first two decades of the 20th century. He was born Giuseppe Butera in 1875 in Conflenti, a town in the hills of southern Italy. There's little information on his origins, other than what's listed in official documents. In April 1898, Butera joins the throngs of Italians immigrating to the United States to escape poverty and violence in their homeland. He likely arrives on the SS Scotia in New York on May 6th. In the years after his arrival, Butera finds his way to Alliance, and Giuseppe becomes Joseph, and then simply Joe. As for his last name, no one spells it consistently during his lifetime, not even the cemetery where he's buried. The same is true for the names of other characters in this story. Where possible, we'll use the spelling and pronunciation used by their families. Joe's great-grandson says Butera, with one T and one R and an A, is correct. So we'll go with that. Anyway... Joe Butera is one of more than 4 million Italians who come to the United States between 1880 and 1920. 
conditions in the old country are tough. Italy becomes a unified country in the latter half of the 1800s, but its government is weak. Most of the immigrants are from rural southern Italy and Sicily, regions plagued by poverty, corruption and crime, disease, and natural disasters, explains David Myers, co-author of the book Ohio's Black Hand Syndicate. Italians who were new to the country, first of all, generally didn't speak English, and they didn't understand the culture, and they were coming from an area of the world where there was absolutely no trust in government. Butera's hometown of Conflenti is in Calabria, sometimes called the toe of Italy's boot. In Butera's day, large estates control most of the land. The people raise sheep and goats and grow olives. The area also is known for organized crime. The locals call it Andrangheta, the Calabrian Mafia. Part 2, when we come back. Part 2, Go Home. The only radical remedy which suggests itself to us is the entire prohibition of immigration from Sicily and Lower Italy. We have long experience with these people, and that experience has been a sad one. They are undesirable citizens, and there's no reason why they should be permitted to participate in the blessings of freedom and civilization, which they are not only unable to appreciate, but which they refuse to understand or accept. The quote is from a report by a citizens' committee in New Orleans, where 11 Italians are lynched in 1891 as retribution for the murder of the city's police chief. The repository carries the story. Crime is a major problem for which Italians and other immigrants are blamed. Syndicated stories promote the narrative in the repository and other newspapers with sensational headlines such as Old World Feuds Here in America, New York's Carnival of Blood. The penance which New York pays for being an asylum and a refuge for all people of the world is written in red letters. For with the new blood and the good blood, we get in nearly every immigrant ship that touches these shores some of the seeds of a legacy of hate which dates back perhaps hundreds of years to an ancient political or religious quarrel that we cannot fathom or understand. The Repository, August 25, 1907. By 1910, a third of Alliance's 15,000 residents are born in another country or are the children of immigrants. That includes Butera and 280 fellow Italians, many of whom live on Patterson and Front Streets and North Webb and North Franklin Avenues. Throughout America at the start of the 20th century, Italian immigrants face prejudice and limited opportunities, explains Elise Myers Walker, co-author of Ohio's Black Hand Syndicate. Uh, they occupy the place in this country that immigrants always occupy in this country and continue to occupy in this country. They were uh, the bottom of the totem pole. A lot of um, societal issues were being blamed on them pretty, uh, pretty unfairly. Yet there is some truth behind the hype. Joseph Petrosino, the famed Italian NYPD detective, asserts in 1905 that there are 30,000 Sicilian criminals in America, 
with 5,000 in New York City itself. It's a fraction of the million or so Italian immigrants, but a deadly one. An assassin kills Petrosino in Palermo when the detective travels to Sicily looking for documents so criminals can be deported from the United States. The Italian ambassador to the U.S. assures Americans his countrymen are law-abiding and excellent citizens, not black-hand gangsters. The Black Hand Society is by no means a powerful organization, as is imagined in some quarters. It seems to have originated in Sicily. There are small groups of swindlers who should be caught and punished. Baron Edmondo Merdes Planches, the repository, July 19, 1908. The Roman Catholic Church appoints a priest to get to the root of Italian crime in America, particularly Black Hand crime. The Reverend Adolfo Cassianelli, founder of St. Anthony's Parish in Canton, gets the job. Cassianelli says there are too few Italian priests and too few places for Italians to worship. With Italians, religion and morality go hand in hand. Without their religion, they have little or no regard for morality. The Italians are a fiery race, and when they have no religious scruples, they are subject to wild fits of passion peculiar to the race. It is in this state of mind that the Italian commits crime. The Reverend Adolfo Castanelli, The Repository, March 16, 1910. Part 3, When We Come Back. Part 3, Found Out. As Butera later tells it, back in Italy, he joins a Black Hand Society, but he leaves that life behind when he comes to America. Some in the Alliance police and the press doubt Butera's claims. But there's no doubt someone wants him dead. The first reported attempt on Butera's life comes ten years after he arrives in America. On the night of January 9, 1909, three men ambush him with a shotgun outside the house where he's living on Mahoning Avenue. The blast hits Butera in the leg, and he shoots back with his revolver. Blocks away, the Sebring Marshal hears gunshots as he waits for a streetcar. Soon he sees three Italian men running toward the tracks. The Marshal grabs the men, and Alliance police find a double-barreled shotgun in the mud near Butera's house. One barrel is empty, and the other is loaded and cocked. The men deny knowing anything about the weapon or Butera's shooting. Witnesses aren't forthcoming. Every mouth was closed as tight as a clam to information, for it was evident that the black hand was at work. The Alliance Review, January 12, 1909. A jury convicts at least one of the suspects on a charge of assault and battery. A judge sends him to the county workhouse for six months and fines him $25. Butera goes on with his life in Alliance. If he hasn't already, he'll spend the next 10 years looking over his shoulder. Thanks for listening. And be sure to check out the show notes for this episode at cantonrep.com. Special thanks to our voice talent in this episode. Derek Hoover, Bob Rossiter, Joe Martuccio, and Stan Myers. Our theme music is Blind by Maidon. 
Other songs in this episode were Blue Feather, Trio for Piano, Violin, and Viola, Rain Supreme, and Depressive Gloom, all by Kevin McLeod. You can listen to other episodes of The Rep Morgue on cantonrep.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Next time on Tales from the Rep Morgue. Members who give away secrets of the society shall be struck in the heart three times with the stiletto.